Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. Here's another perception. We killed a good man. I mean, no, that's just a shame. That's the kind of world we live in. You know, we, we killed a good man. And I don't know what the lesson there is. I guess avoid looking good, you know? Because if you do look good, the bad and the ugly or the evil are going to come after you. So keep a low profile. Here's another perception. Only the good die young. I hear Billy Joel, right, when I say that every time. I don't know about you, but that tells you where I come from. Only the good die young. So avoid being young. Old people are mean, right? I mean, the older I get, the less old people I know. So here's another song. I fight authority. Authority always wins. So that's another perception of Christ's crucifixion. You know, I get, what's the point there? Well, stick it to the man if you can, and then duck. You know, Jesus just didn't duck. Or here's another one. Self-sacrifice is awesome. It made Jesus holy. It can make me holy too. I'll follow him up the ladder. And it's a kind of a Christian religious narcissism almost there. Yeah. And, and here's another one. Jesus loved us, me so much, that he did this for us or me. Now, this is an error when we equate the way we love with the way Jesus loves. Because love for us did not require Jesus dying. Nope. Love was not the cup he accepted but did not want to accept, saying, thy will be done. He didn't say, I'll do what they need, or worse, I'll do what they deserve. He said to his father, I'll do what you say. That's really important. That's really important, because if we make it about us, how much he loves us, I don't know about you, but I can talk myself out of that rather quickly. I, you know, the first many, many times I heard people tell me that Jesus loves me, I thought, you're crazy. And you're weird. You're crazy and you're weird. You know, because I don't even love me. And I don't want to even try. I gave that up a long time ago. And then as you learn what Jesus really did, what tonight is really about, Jesus obeyed the Father. God so loved us that he sent his only son. So that love is proven. It's not a feeling. It's not based on my warped sense of value or my inability to determine the worth of something, including myself. No. He, on his own, that's the mystery. Why would he love us? But he did, and he proved it by sending Jesus. What did Jesus do? He did what the Father told him to do. That's what tonight is about. And I think there were so few that perceived this, that had this perception when it happened, that first Good Friday. 
that day he died. We're, we're left, in fact, in the gospel with a record of misperception. You know, and that's what we see in, in these scriptures. Kind of acts as a mirror showing us how lost we are without him. As well as how off our perception is concerning him. So we start with Pilate. Pilate is the, the patron non-saint. Actually, he's, he's considered a saint by some Christian denominations. I don't know if you knew that. And his wife is too. So b- both him and his wife are considered a saint by some, some Christian groups. But well, we're going to call him the patron non-saint of misperception. And he seems to even be aware of it. He's a, he's a tragic representation of, of misperception. Perception. Matthew 27, starting in verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, that's Pilate, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, you have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. What a picture this is. So Pilate, his perception of Jesus is getting updated by being in the presence of Jesus. That happens all the time, still to this day. Amen? When we're with him, our view of him changes. And that's what happened to Pilate. And he was amazed. That word amazed means more than it means to us. In fact, it says greatly amazed to to indicate this. It rocked his world. He He had more than a half right perception that Christ was unjustly accused. Yet his perception of what this meant... And what was morally available to him caused him to cave. And here we have a record of him losing his struggle. He wanted to do the right thing, but somehow perceived that the wrong thing was better. So just as we can too closely relate to Judas, now we can too closely relate to Pilate. And it's no accident that Scripture is designed by the Holy Spirit this way. And help yourself to it. Open yourself to it. It's not pleasant. It doesn't need to be. It's the truth. And the truth always points us to the cross. And the one who hung on the cross, who called himself the way, the truth, and the life. And the truth is we need him. You're not that smart. You're not that good. Stop thinking that you are. That's a misperception. I'm trying hard. I'm working hard. I'm doing more than other people. I'm way better than the people I read about in the news or heard about in the news on the way over to service tonight. No, you're not. You're not. And you don't have to believe me. 
And you don't have to accept that necessarily. But you're not going to get much more out of this if you don't. The only way you can get anything out of these stories, these accounts, these reports, historically accurate reports, the only way you can get anything out of it is by seeing yourself as lost as Pilate, as lost as Judas and, and Peter and the priests and the crowds. You need Jesus. In the end, Pilate decided he didn't. Oh, well, he was so close. He was right there, Pilate. You're standing next to him. Apparently, he didn't have much of a career after this. But he's world famous and always will be because he stood next to him and looked like he almost got it. And you're not reading the scriptures correctly if you don't feel the angst of that, if you don't feel the pain in that. Pilate, you're right there. So are you. So am I. We're right here. We're here together. You're here on Good Friday. But somehow Pilate decided, well, you know, I, I just got to do my job. I'm going to do my job and just, uh, well, let me read it. Verse 15. Now, at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, oh, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. He knew. Verse 19. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Okay, you're standing next to Jesus. You, you know this is a setup, and your wife sends you a message. Seriously, right? I mean, come on. The guy's here. We can feel that, right? I mean, Ouch. Verse 20, now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So that shows you now how far down they've slidden, desperate in their measures to preserve what they think is worth something. This power, this arrangement, this advantage they have, aligning themselves with Rome. Verse 21, the governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So Pilate abdicated his authority there in verse 22, asking, what do I do? 
he apparently misperceived a greater authority than his own, the mood of the crowd. We can do it too. Anytime we treasure gossip over the gospel, we can do it. That's the spirit of Pilate at work in us, in me, whenever that happens. Matthew 27 continues in verse 24. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. And he released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. So we see the misperception of the crowds, the, 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 the warped perception. We see Pilate so close, and yet, well, I've got a job to do. Now we, we go and we, 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 we see a number of different people, starting with the soldiers under Pilate. Verse 27, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand and kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. So there's a love for mockery baked into every human heart. And we perceive ourselves better than someone whenever we mock someone. And we perceive sometimes that we need this feeling. And that was, that's what was happening here, you know. And so whenever I... I read this, I, I ask the question, you know, who was the last person I mocked? Maybe just in the privacy of my own thinking, my own thoughts, who was the last person I mocked and why? You know, what, what, what perception led me to walk down that road? In this case, perception is actually deception and we note that Christ spent much of his teaching ministry, in fact, addressing issues of perception. You say it's this, but I'll tell you it's this over here. Over and over again, he taught that way, rescuing people from deception. So we've perceived Christ's protracted condemnation and coming death through the eyes of Pilate and his soldiers. Next, we span out into the crowd that surrounds, and we perceive him through a, a man from Cyrene named Simon, as well as the soldiers. We also perceive him through convicted robbers and the Judean religious authorities. Verse 32. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. I wonder what he was thinking. There's much written about him. 
and his sons. Verse 33. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. He didn't want his senses dulled. He didn't want even the hint of a shortcut. Verse 35, and when they had crucified him, here it's happening. They divided his garments among them by casting lots. So the man, his teachings, no, his clothes, that's what's worth something. Verse 36, then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, these are the guards still, they put the charge against him, which read, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. We know Pilate okayed that. Now, we see through the eyes of two other men. Verse 38, then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So these men are dying with him and people walking by, mocking again, getting it wrong. You don't see what you think you're seeing. You don't know what you're looking at. And you certainly don't know what you're saying. Verse 41. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others and cannot save himself. He is the king of the Israel. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. No, he won't. And he didn't come down. And notice the wording. I still suspect every time I read these verses that some of these people knew. They knew the truth. And yet it didn't, it didn't make that journey, that 18-inch that journey from their heads to their hearts. And they they. They knew what was right. They knew the truth. And yet, walked away, made another choice. Definitely victims of their own misperception. They continue. Verse 43, he trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. And then the last few verses, the last few seconds or minutes of his life, we see this great, great contrast of perception. We'll take our time here working through each one. Verse 45. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. We talked about that. That's noon to 
to 3 p.m. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemus abachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that is Aramaic. He's crying out in Aramaic. It's one of the languages of the time, the common languages. He's crying out a, a verse from Scripture, Psalm 22. We read that last night. And you can know that biblically literate people, such as all these people were, would have been, much more so than most people we know, maybe even ourselves. What, if, if they quoted one verse from the psalm, they, they meant the whole psalm, and they, they meant the, the spirit of the psalm, and that's what you get here. And, and much of what he cried out from the cross was, was Scripture. And, and several verses from, or a handful of verses anyway, from the psalms. So, we see all these people mocking him, yet where is his attention? His attention is on his father, and he is voicing what he's going through. Why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, this is their perception, hearing it said, oh, this man is calling Elijah, because the Aramaic sounded like the name for Elijah. Eli, 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 however it was pronounced back then. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, well, wait. Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Verse 50, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. The perception that matters most here is Christ's. He died all the way. He lost everything. And we know it by his words recorded here. And the most accurate perception of Christ on the cross may be from a prophet named Isaiah whose prophecy was fulfilled by Christ on the cross. Maybe there's no better text tonight to prepare us for our pastor's ministry to us through the table, Christ's ministry to us through the table. Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. 
And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man, in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death. I was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. May God add his blessing, his richest blessing to this, the reading of his word on this crucifixion for him. Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.